Yo, well, how's it going, indie wrestling fans? Welcome to Indie Handshake. I am your host, Jesus Cruz, and today my guest is Tony Fury. How you doing, Tony? Doing good, man. Doing good. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I've met Tony back in like 99, 98 over at Big Time Wrestling, and we've known each other for that long, but I don't think we've actually had like a conversation ever. No, that's true. I, I remember you from back in the day at the shows, and uh, God, what a small world, you know. It's uh, been a while uh, since I've seen you, and uh, it was a good thing I ran into your indie hand, uh, handshake uh, show here. You know, it's pretty cool. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad. Thanks for the support. I see that you're always liking the videos and, you know, watching the older matches. So we appreciate that. Uh, but let's start off with just a standard question of how you got interested in wrestling. And more importantly, how did you find indie wrestling here in this area? Uh, yeah, so I grew up here in the Bay Area. Uh, I got hooked when I was, uh, I guess I'm going to say part of my ground, like any other kid around, you know, in my early years, uh, seven, eight years old. I remember watching wrestling off and on, but I really got hooked, uh, I think, when I was around maybe like 13, I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, I just got hooked on it and started watching religiously. I started recording shows. Uh, I had My dad had bought me uh, an, uh, a VCR. He bought me a Beta one. I don't know if you remember what those are. That's yeah, how old I Betamax. am. Yeah, Betamax. So, and I started recording the Saturday morning shows, like Wrestling Superstars and wrestling challenge and it, it became a, a almost like a, a a hobby you know just every saturday show I, I just just i thought it was cool to just record so i just started recording every saturday then i started recording uh next you know as the years went by i, I was up to like uh like 100 videotapes and uh i started thinking about it and i go well you know uh one day I'm going to have to go back to these videos. I'm not going to know what's on there. So right. I started going, I started with tape one and I just started writing down everything that was on tape one and wrote down match, match, you know, who's, you know, and I gave him a little star rating at the end. He's joined, which is a good, something good, a good promo, um, things like that. And uh, that's what my okay. niece was talking to you about. Yeah. So, right. and it became a thing where uh, I did it pretty much up until I'm going to say when the W network started, I kind of mm -hmm. figured, well, I guess no need to now. So uh, everything's documented. Everything's already now. there. Yeah, it just it was like I couldn't stop every every show, every pay per view, every live lucha show that aired on shows. I just it became a hobby to me. I started recording. I still have a lot of VHS beta tapes and diversely recorded original shows. You know, non edited things that they do now. So, right, but that's right. how I got into the wrestling business uh, as in a fan. So going back a little bit, uh, and you mentioned your niece. So basically, I, I met. Uh, your niece, Natalie, and uh, she saw all these tapes and all the wrestling. It's like, oh, my uncle used to wrestle. Do you know Tony Fury? I'm like, yeah, I know Tony Fury. And uh, matter of fact, a whole bunch of tapes are in there. So that was, it was a small world. It was a coincidence. And that's why we have a uh, Tony that's Fury. Cool. On yeah. Right now. I, I, you know, I, I don't have very much footage myself because it was always hard for me to get any footage of myself at any of the shows. I mean, I, I got a couple from the big time because uh, uh, I know Kirk used to sell them on, on the shows there. And right. I think my wife might have bought a couple of them just for me just to get but outside of that oh i'll, send, you know, I'll, I'll send them to, i'll send you i'll send you what i have i don't worry okay. about it it's cool i just saying yeah uh, you started training at apw correct i did i started training at apw before it became apw it was still pacific coast sports um so being a wrestling fan in the area i never really um i was i was content being a wrestling fan you know i, I enjoyed the shows I started going to the shows when they came here. When they, this one they used to come monthly. To the one month it would be Oakland, the next one would be Cal Palace, and so on and so on. Just go every month. Though it was monthly. I I think when I was sixteen, I my mom used to work at the uh, Holiday Inn by the. Uh, uh, it used to be an old Holiday Inn by the airport uh, off of Hagenberg. My mom used to work there, and I think there was a day when I uh, I found out the uh, there was going to be a TV taping here in uh, the Coliseum. So I remember going there. I was hanging out at the Coliseum, hoping to meet some of the boys and get some pictures and autographs. That's what I would do. And uh, I had to go pick up my mom from work. And I didn't want to leave the Coliseum because I didn't want to miss anybody. But I had to go pick her up. So I get there, got a few minutes there early, and I ended up parking in the lot there. And within like 10 minutes, I see a car pull up behind me. Three huge guys get out. And I'm, and I, and I'm kind of looking. And I see one arm. And I recognized that arm like right off the bat. And they walked past my car. 
I'm looking, and it's uh, Darren Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, and not Lauron Bass. Oh, I marked that huge. I mean, I, I couldn't believe I was just watching that. So I get out of my car, and I, I follow them to, you know, just to follow them. And I see them getting in, each one getting into their rooms. And I don't know, I, I just, I, I marked out, and I go, hey. And Outlaw Ron Bass sticks his head out and goes, what? And I go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking to the lady over there. And, you know, <laughs> my mom just had me stand there. And she and he slams the door. And I go, okay. So I, my, my mom tells me, hey, what are you doing here? I go, mom, why don't you even tell me the wrestlers were staying here? She goes, yeah. oh, I don't know they were wrestlers. You know, she, she hates wrestling. She did not get anything by it. So she goes, well, there's a whole bunch sitting over there by the pool. And I look over, and there's Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. There's, uh, I think, Valentine Beefcake with it, just lounging on the pool. And, oh, uh, yeah. So from that point on, I knew where the wrestlers stayed here in Oak. So every time they came, I, I would be there. And I think it was only like myself and two other people that knew that the wrestlers were there. So, right. I mean, I have the pickings for myself. So I, I go there and I take pictures every month. And you know, I'd be there early and, you know, I started to meet a lot of the boys. And, uh, you know, I became, well, I am a huge mark for, for pro wrestling. So anything those guys did, I just mirrored them, you know. Back then, they would wear the old Gold's Gym t-shirts with the, with the sweatpants and so I started buying that stuff and I started going to the gym and working out just to emulate the fact, you know, well, right. back then, no internet, you know, no cell phones, the guys would come and they would see me sitting there with the gold gym shirt. So, you know, they'd, they'd look at me and that's the first thing they would ask at the, at the uh, lobby. The guys would come up and ask, where's a good place to eat and where's the gym? And then, you know, the people would try to tell them, oh, you know, there's a place here and, you know, they don't know, they don't know the area. So they would see me sitting there and goes, hey, is that gym close by? Yeah, yeah. You know, big boss man, a, a crush, Brian Adams back in the day. You know, I go, yeah, I offered him to give him a ride. He goes, you guys want a ride? He goes, sure. Take him to the gym. And in return, they'd give me free tickets in return. So oh, nice. So that's how they got to know me every month. Same, you know, most of the guys, and uh, they would see me. And I was, that's what I would do. I'd give him a ride to the gym. And in return, they'd give me free tickets. So, how, how old were you again at this point? I think I was like 16. Oh, 16. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and basically, yeah, they would, I would, and then I'd take them back and they give me free tickets. And then sometimes they would ask me to give them a ride to the arena. So I go, sure. You know, one guy's, they, you know, they would ride together in a bunch of cars. Sometimes they wouldn't, you know, they didn't want to wait for wherever they were waiting for. And they would just, you know, they'd be in the lobby, just sitting there lounging around and waiting like Owen or something. And that's how I knew really well was Owen. Owen was really cool. And, uh, you know, he didn't want to wait for Brett because Brett was taking his time. And I told him, I said, well, if you want, I'll give you a ride to the arena. He goes, is it far? I said, no, it's just down the street. So he goes, jumps in the car with me. We take him down there. I get to rock in with them. You know, I, I kind of sort of broke in not knowing, but, you know, by literally carrying his bags into the, into the building, you know. And right. He told me, sit right there, man. I'll give you some tickets. I go, sure. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. He actually physically, he, he actually verbally told me after that point was, you know, hey, next time I come, it's okay if I just give you a call and you can swing by and I'll set you a ticket. <laughs> not a problem. Not wow. a problem. So, uh, that, you know, every really time he come, it'd always be somebody, it'd be him and somebody else, him and the Beverly Brothers or him and Louis McCauley or him and the Bulldog. Just, you know, every time it was a different thing and, you know, I got to meet a lot of the boys that way. So, wow. Yeah. Any, any, any crazy stories from, from all those rides? Any like uh, interesting, interesting story of some of the guys? Yeah, uh, well, early on, uh, they kind of kept it, you know, they still kayfabe a lot, so they wouldn't say very much. They stay quiet, um, around me because, uh, they that was like saying I was only 16, 17, so they they kind of kayfabe me a little bit, uh, and uh, stay right. quiet. Um, they wouldn't let me into the locker room, of course. I'd go in the back, and they, they would say, Okay, just hang out right here, and then they'd go inside. and you know, they didn't tell me much, and but um, uh, there was uh, times. Uh, there was a time afterwards. I think uh, afterwards, when uh, I think I took Owen, Luis Piccoli, and Barry Horowitz on the trip from San Francisco to Fresno, and uh, Kwame was with me. I remember Kwame Kamosi. Kwame Kamosi, hell yeah, yeah. So he was with us that night, that day, and we drove from San Francisco to Fresno, and the whole time down there, Owen and Louis kept. Uh, messing around with uh, uh, Barry Harlow. Uh, they had Barry had bought some really expensive uh, uh, tanning oil that he bought at the 
at a GNC, and uh, somehow Louis got to it and while he was sleeping, and then he starts spraying it all over his hair. And you know, I'm over here driving, trying not to, you know, wake him up, and he's spraying. And finally, he wakes up because he hears Owen and laughing, and they're cracking up, and he's turning his head around. He's looking. What are you guys doing? And they're like, nothing. We're just here, man. You're paranoid. He looks at me because I'm driving. Goes, what are you doing, Tony? But I'm just driving, man. So I know he's doing just driving. You know, and they keep <laughs> asking him. And Owen, Owen keeps putting that. The, back then, they still that metric powder, you know. And they're he's pouring inside of a Gatorade and he's blowing in the, the excess powder. He's putting it on the back of his head, you know, on on, on uh, Barry Harvard's head. So you know, anyway, they get all the way. We we end up there was like a really bad car wreck all the way down to Fresno. So we lost like about a good hour and hour sitting in traffic. So they got there literally as the mat, as the show began. So I think if I'm not mistaken, I think they got in trouble for being late. Barry Hart's went in there and snitched on uh, Louie. And, <laughs> and he, he went in there and I think he got in trouble and he, and he got out and jumped in the car with the smoking guns because they had just finished their match and he left. He didn't get to work that night. So right. Louie got in trouble because of Barry. And then when he came out, uh, he got his match and uh, with Owen, and they came back, and we we to the left and came back to San Francisco because they were flying out. So the whole way there, they were arguing that that uh, Barry had snitched on them, and they got fined and all that stuff. So we get all the way to the San Francisco to the hotel, and Louis Louis and Barry were rooming together. But when he got to the hotel, he found out uh, Barry had packed up his stuff and left, and left him with the bill. <laughs> so Louis was not having it. So Louis. Said, take me to the airport right now. Said, All right. So we get down, we jump there, we jumps out. So my wife was, was with us that night. And so I told her, hang on to this car. Me and uh, Kwame got out. And we we went in there. We started looking for them. And sure enough, they're right there in the middle of the lobby, yelling and arguing and a little shoving push, you know. And so me and Kwame were just standing there looking to the side. I go, hey, something goes down. We got to pull these guys apart, you know. So, but they ended up hashing it out. You know, Louis came back, Barry got on his plate and left. And, uh, you know, he said, you guys good? He goes, yeah, he apologized. But, you know, hey, when he does stuff like that, apparently it just happened a lot. You know, the ribbing all the way down just made Barry snap. And it was just it was so <laughs> crazy, you know, just watching these two guys arguing at the airport, you know. So Right, right. Uh, so going back to your training. So you started training at Roland's when it was Pacific Coast Sports. So how was that, how was that, how did you find them and who was training you at the time? How was training? Okay, so again, so th this is when I was still just going to the shows. I was being content, being a fan. I had no desire to be a wrestler whatsoever. Um, I think uh, it was the night that Hogan Flair happened here at the Coliseum. Uh, the first Hogan Flair thing they had going on here. It was a house show. Uh, I, I was there that night. Um, I think, if not mistaken. I remember it was Rick Thompson, Mike Modest, I believe Roland, a few other guys. Could have been Robert Thompson. I don't remember well, but they were going. I think they had just opened up the school, so they were walking, going to the crowd, looking for potential students, and they were passing out their cards. Uh, Rick Thompson came up to me, and uh, again, I was just like in the Gold's Gym stuff, and you know, he comes up to me says, hey, you look like you got pretty good size and uh, you ever thought of pursuing this as a career? And I'm like, no, not really. He goes, oh, well, hey, if you're interested, we opened up a school. He gave me his card. He had his name. Everybody had to put their name on the back of the card to see who gave the card out. You know, So I looked at it and said, oh, okay, cool, thank you. And, and I put it in my pocket, forgot about it. Uh, it wasn't until, um, I'm going to say, that was in 91. So I'm going to say about a year later, uh, an old high school friend of mine, calls me up out of the blue, Frank, and uh, calls me up and he tells me he wants to be a, wants to be a wrestler. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you telling me for? Because you know everybody. You know how to, do, you know how to get in there. I go, well, I don't know anybody. I mean, I just, you know. And then I remember the card. I go, well, hey, you know what? There's a place in Fremont, that, uh, I'm sorry, in Hayward. Uh, some guy gave it to me. He goes, I'll give you the card if you want. All right. So I gave him all the information off the card. And uh, I guess he made an appointment to go down there. And he calls me up. He says, hey, come with me. I go, no, I don't want to go there. He goes, yeah, come with me. I was just, you know. And uh, mind you, this is a guy that I didn't think 
even love wrestling because even back when we were in high school, I was a big fan and he never even let clue that. You know, and he, he told me later, he goes, yeah, but I knew I've always liked it. I just, you know, solo broad and couldn't tell people that, you know, as a fan. So I was like, okay. So I went with him. He did the interview with um with Roland. And um he was in there and uh he started interviewing uh Frank and he's uh asking him all these questions and stuff. And I'm just sitting in the lobby there. I'm looking around, so looking at cool stuff and um, I guess Roland asked about me. He goes, hey, about you? You want to sign up? I go, no, I'm just here with him. He's the one doing it. He started asking me things like, you know, well, you know, do you like wrestling? I go, yeah, I do. And then he started, well, who's your favorite wrestler? And uh, I go, well, you know, I like people like, you know, Jushin Thunder Liger, Owen Hart, you know, Teddy DiBiase, people like that. And then I think that lit up his brain because, you know, uh, I don't know what Frank might have told him. I don't know if he told him just the Basic, you know, Hulk Hogan, you know, something like that. I don't know, but so you went a little attention. deeper. Yeah, so he kind of figured, oh, this guy knows his stuff. This this guy knows his his workers, and I think that's what he told me later on. That's why he picked. It. So, um, he ended up giving giving Frank a deal of some kind, saying, "Hey, if you can get your friend there to sign up, both of you guys, I'll give you guys like a tag team discount." All right. He asked me, "You want to sign up?" I go, "No, I don't want to sign up. I don't want. I don't want nothing to do with it." So. And um, again, I was already friends with the boys. I mean, I was content being just a fan. I was, I was living life. So um, the one thing I always did want to do was bounce off the ropes, run the ropes, because that was it looked fun. And I, we walked into the, inside this actual school area. They they had the ring set up, and I was, and then I just really got enamored with that. I was, as soon as I saw the ropes, I'm like, oh my god, this is a real ring. Roland told me that the reason he really wanted me because he said that. Uh, when I got the card in, it had Rick's name on it in the back. And he goes, this is our head of struggle. If he sees something in you, that must mean that, you know, he must be good. And right, I go, right. oh, I didn't even notice the name was back there. You know, I just grabbed the card and put it in my pocket. So, um, so yeah, that's how I got in. And uh, the training was uh, something else there. Yeah. Uh, as soon as uh, we, we went, I think I was in class number two. If I'm mistaken, because class one was the day when they were passing out the cards. And I, I don't know exactly who was in the first class other than Mike Modest, uh, Max Justice, I think Robert, and there was a can't I don't remember if his name was the guy named Ocean, Ocean Suka, or something like he was a I can't remember if he was like Samoan or Filipino or something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. I think maybe Diablo might have been in, in there, Super Diablo might have been in there too, but uh, but I was in in second class, uh, like Say so it was a year later that I went, so I was in '92 when I signed up. So, um, but that's when I signed up there. So, uh, what going from a fan to actually training and taking bumps? How was that? How was that feeling? Like, oh shit! Now I'm doing it for real. Like, uh, and and training could be very intense, especially back then. So, how was yeah. your experience going from just watching it to like, oh, now I'm getting body slammed? <laughs> Oh, man, is that an eye-opener there? Um, you know, the training when we signed up that, that, that beginner's camp, as they call it, when they started doing all the calisthenics, that alone used to kill me, you know, the, 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 the jumping jacks. Because I was never in athletic. I never played sports of any kind. Um, that stuff alone just kill me. And, and again, I think they had that, that mentality of the old school training, how they would break you first to see if you want right. to, you know, I think that's was what it was. I mean, they would make us run two miles. They would make us do the, the arches in the ring and then the, you know, the wheelbarrows I used to call them and running up down the stairs. And, and that's all two hours far before even getting in the ring to anything, you know, and then, then started the fun part there. And, uh, um, I, I think I just amazed myself that I was able to do it because I didn't think I could do it. And I mean, I'm pretty sure like most other guys, they were probably just thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I killing myself doing this? Right. Because when we started doing the beginner's camp, it had nothing to do with, with, with at least what I thought I saw on TV. You know, there was no body slam. There was no drop kicks. It was, it was all, you know, do these uh, neck Rolling bridges. and then, rolls. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, well, this makes no sense to me, I, I, you know. Um, as as we went on, though, then I started to see how they incorporate everything. You know, we were doing, like, amateur wrestling and grapevines and wizards and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is what I 
what you do in high school, man. Why am I doing this? And then I, I you know, they taught us how it goes into it. I said, okay, now it makes sense. And uh, as the time went on, it, it, um, it, it, it was really hard, you know, trying to fall on your back intentionally, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing, but um, I think what I really fell in love with it, and it's hard, to, it's weird to say, but was when we started doing the chops and, uh, you know, rolling with line everybody up and tell everybody, okay, so you're going to chop so-and-so and then the next person will move and do the chop and, you know, that's so on. When it came to me, I, for some reason, I don't know why, but I was the last one in there to get the, to get the chop. Yeah. And I, I forgot somebody was supposed to give it to me. And when that came through, Rick Thompson got in. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa let, let me do this. And everybody started going, oh, my, my. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, right. oh, did he light me up? Oh, he lit me up so good. He gave me a chop. And, and then he gave me another one. He goes, oh, that wasn't very good. And then he let loose. <laughs> I, I, he must have gave me at least 15 chops back to back. Not, not just, I mean, just chop, chop, chop. Then he came down with the hand going down, Japanese style going down, and then chop. And I don't know why I kept thinking, just, just fall, fall. And I couldn't. I, I took every one of them until he stopped, and then I just and I dropped. And everybody jumped out of the ring. I was like, that's it, we're done. And <laughs> hamburger meat, man, ha- hamburger meat all over. Oh, shit. And um, I don't know if that's the way they broke me in, but Rick Thompson broke me on the top. And, and he he laid them in there. So, yeah. yeah. So it, it was it was, uh, it was an experience. Uh, I, 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 I go back and think about it, and I love it. So, you know, my mom and, you know, my, my wife, my, girl, my girlfriend at the time, and, you know, she go, why, why do you do that? It, it makes no sense. Go, I can't explain it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. But, you, uh, you know, when you start doing, when you start doing stuff like that, though, and, uh, you know, you, you start learning to do, like, the backdrops, things like that. I mean, I never thought, saw myself taking a backdrop or, you know, and I took one from Mike, Big Mike, you know, and, and I was definitely, you know, I'm scared of ice to begin with, so. Oh, everybody gets man. to do everybody gets to do the backdrop off of somebody and then rolling with say, okay, Mike, get in there, you give them to him. And now Mike Mike Modest would be the one to do it. And he had the like the best backdrop because he would he would push off the shoulders and then Mike would stand straight up so he could even higher up. And it, and it would just it looked so nice. So you know, when we did it, it just you know, some guys could do it, some couldn't, and that was just that. When I, it was my turn to do it, it was just, it was scary and it was an amazing feeling because when I went up, I mean, I, I was up in the air and I'm like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and then you land and you're still alive and I go, okay, I can do this. This is great. So did you finish training? Did you debut at APW or no? No, I didn't. Uh, I finished, um, I'm going to say at the time, Roland used to tell us that we were going to the APW was so great and we're going to, they were, they were going to grow. And, you know, and his idea was, Oh, we're going to so big and we're going to be so bad. And, you know, um, it's going to take uncle Vince, quote, uncle Vince to get us out of here. And I'm like, okay. You know, at the time, uh, I think at the beginning of that training, it was Rick Thompson and a guy by the name of Jim Gorman. I don't know if you know who that is. He was, yeah, he used to be, uh, I used to see him on TV as a job or most of the time on, on TV, but I think he like in a, I don't know, like somewhere in the southern states, him and Marty Gennetti were tag team champ. But anyway, he was a trainer at, uh, there for a little bit. So I remember, I, I don't know what, I don't know why this happened, but uh, I think, if I remember correctly, there was going to be a TV taping in Sacramento at the Arco Arena. And I don't know why, but he came up to me. He came up to me and he came up to maybe like one other, one or two other guys. Uh, he came up to us separately and he came up and he said, Hey, uh, there's going to be a wrestling thing in Sacramento for the WWF. And I said, okay. He goes, he, they asked me to bring a couple guys down and, uh, you know, to, to be on the show. And I said, and I started kind of looked at him and I'm like, well, you think I'm ready? I mean, I'm just starting my training here. Well, it's easy. I mean, you, go, you know, they don't, you don't do much, you know, just, you already got your bumps down. That's all you got to do. And I go, well, I said, I don't know. You think I'm ready? He goes, yeah, you, you'll be fine. Just, you know, keep it down a lot of downloads. Don't say nothing. I go, 
Okay. I said, well, you think I can do it? I mean, you're the trainer. He said, sure. And this is before class started. And so no more than about, man, like a half hour later, Roland got everybody around the ring and Rick Thompson's there and he's there. Jim Gorman's there. And he starts telling everybody, well, you know, I hear a couple of you guys think you guys are superstars. You guys are going to be in a TV taping, huh? You guys call yourself pro wrestlers. He goes, so if I, you know, you can't call yourself a pro wrestler unless you're making a living from it. If you couldn't, if you're calling yourself a pro wrestler, I'm gonna make you get in the ring and, and demonstrate it to, to Rick here because he's a pro wrestler. And goes, I hear you guys think you got the superstar, you guys gonna be out there in the, in the in TV. And I'm looking at Jim, and I'm like, what the hell? You know? And, and he, goes, he goes, I don't want none of my guys losing to any of the WF guys because you guys are way better than they are. And I'm like, okay, you know, and he didn't think <laughs> anybody out. He just, yeah. I don't know, maybe he was just testing the guys. I have no <laughs> idea why he came up about, but yeah, it was just the awkward thing. But uh, he would always say we were going to do these shows and shows, and and for whatever reason, nothing ever progressed out of him. You know, he would give us a date, and then nothing happened. Then right. he he gives all ready for another show, and you know, nothing happened. And I think I hurt my uh, I think I hurt my knee. If I'm mistaken, I hurt my knee at my at work, and so I told him I can come in a couple of training sessions. I can come in, and, and uh, you know, a little bit. I think I ended up losing the interest of it, and I just stopped. I just stopped going, and uh, I was gone for about maybe, like I'm say, like eight months, and then I ran into Roland at one of WWF house shows here at the Coliseum. He says, "How you doing? I'm doing all right," and he had this guy. Uh, I used to wrestle for the WWF at the time, like Man Mountain Rock or Man Mountain Mike or something like that. Did like a air guitar gimmick guy. He wrestled in WCW and they wrestled in WWF later. And I don't know, I guess Bowen had him as a trainer now at, at, at APW at the time. So um, he was trying to convince me to come back. I recognized who the guy was. I said, yeah, you should come back. You're good. You could do this. And I go, all right, I came back. And then the only show that progressed out of that was that Ron Head show that they did in San Jose. Uh, the Father's Day Bash? The Father's Day Bash, yeah. So Roland had me on the show, but not to work. Uh, he had me just doing, uh, originally I was supposed to be on the show, but then I think he, he said, we're just going to use you guys as uh, security. I think me, Joel Applebomber, uh, a couple other guys, he had to use, like, just to do the escort to the ring back and forth. So. Um, so that's we did that show there, and but then I realized that was in the APW slash Pacific Coast Sports thing. It was just it was Ron's show, right? So and I've known Ron from back Ron back back in the day because he used to be one of the few guys that knew where the wrestler stayed. So me and him, you know, he knew each other really well. So, right. um, but outside of that, no shows ever occurred. So I in you know I I noticed Roland had this bad habit of uh, you know he do his monthly. The they that owed money, you know, he uh, once you paid your monthly due and you got in the ring, you took a backdrop or a bump, and that's a great bump. You see that guy? That's a good bump. All right. But if you miss the payment, that is the <laughs> shittiest bump. You know, you see, it's, that's why this guy is not going to amount to anything. Like, so if you paid, you were awesome. If you didn't, you were no good. It's yeah, the right yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and it's one of those things. So, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's not going to happen out of here. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm content. I'm still riding with Owen and the boys. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. So uh, I left again, and I, I just didn't go back. So, so now that yeah, they, uh, now, now that they, sorry, now that now that the boys know the WWF boys know that you're training, did they give you any pointers or any any tips of? You know, yeah, I, I rode with Tito and and uh, Tito Santana and Owen one night, and uh, I remember. Um, I had my, my gear in the back. Um, one, again, one of those things that Rick and Roland taught me was, you know, always take your gear, you know. Um, and I had my boots back there, uh, my wrestling boots. I remember uh, I picked up Owen and Tito at the airport, and uh, we, uh, when I opened the trunk, uh, Owen saw the boots. He goes, hey, whose boots are those? I go, oh, they're mine. He goes, you working? I go, well, I started to. I was training. He goes, oh, okay. Got a little kick out of it. And, and Tito, I remember asking Tito. I said, what do you think, Tito? I said, I haven't been doing this, this, I think, I don't know, like a year and a half so far, you know. He said, uh, 
He asked me, well, what do you think? He goes, do you like it? I go, yeah, I do. He goes, you know, as long as you get your, your basics down, your, your bumps, you know, and, you know, technique, everything else follows through, you know, it'll fall in. If you, if, if you really love it, it'll fall through. I said, okay. So, but again, I didn't, again, I have no desire really to do it. I just, you know, again, I'm getting free tickets. I'm going to the show I get to watch it. What I love to see, you know, what I love to see, right. um, you know, I, it, it didn't even become a second thought to me anymore. I, I think I found out later on that the APW was starting to do the, the shows, little shows here and there. Um, but yeah, I had no desire to go back or anything. So, yeah. so where did you go after after APW, and how did how did the name uh, Tony Fury come about? Um, so it was 1998, I believe, was <laughs> when um, I'm uh, I ran into. Uh, Owen at a autograph signing in San Jose, the day of the Royal Rumble. Uh, it was in, in 98, I think, if I'm not mistaken. It was the day of the pay-per-view. Uh, Kirk White brought in Owen uh, to um, to do an autograph signing in Hayward at a card, like a comic court card store, or mm-hmm. some toy store in Hayward. Uh, so I, I went there, said hi to Owen, and, you know, he said, we're going to give me some tickets for the show. And I said, all right, cool. I remember that day real nice. It was, it was raining that day. And, um, after after Owen was leaving, of course, uh, we waited to the end till Owen was done uh, with the signing, and I guess Kirk was there. I, I guess Kirk saw me talking to Owen, so he asked me, "Oh, you know Owen?" I go, "Yeah, yeah, we're known him for years already, you know, a few years." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh man, you should." I told him that. I, uh, well, he asked, and I think he asked me if I remember if I, if I was if I was a worker, and I said, "Well, I started to. Yeah, I, I started with APW, and I kind of told him a little bit of the story with the." With the rolling background. Oh man, you should come to our place over here. They call this guy Jason. I go, oh, really? He goes, yeah, yeah, you should give him a try. You know, you never know. Like, so you had no okay. clue that there was another school? No, no. I knew about Kirk and his big time wrestling shows, but I didn't know who Jason was. Or again, I never I never went to any of his shows um, at all. So I didn't know. You know, I, I, I saw some flyers here and there. Um, but I never really went to any shows. Uh, so I think uh, I went to one. No, I did. I did go to one show prior to that because uh, he brought in Tito and I knew I, I knew Tito. So I would just I would go just to say hi to the guys. So, right. And I did go to one of his shows and that's only uh, I didn't know who Kirk was. I didn't know. I didn't know who Jason was. I saw them on the show. I knew Steve Steve Rosano was because he worked with he was in my class with me. Um, I was there when uh, Spike Dudley was there. Training. I was with Spike there in, in the same class as Spike. So, right. um, and Super Diablo too, right? And it's, well, Diablo would come and go. Yeah, you know? sometimes he'd go and mm. sometimes he didn't. So, you know, he, he was more established already by then. So he, you know, sometimes right. you know, I think I think he was going to, to Jason's except I didn't know. You know, so I, I ran to him when I went start going to Jason's place. So. Um, I called Jason. Uh, I mean, I think we went down there. Uh, I went down there and he asked me how much I knew. I kind of didn't know how to explain to him. So he was like, okay, um, got in the ring with me. Um, we did a few, you know, lockups. And then, then he kind of realized, you know, he's oh, you know what you're doing. You're fine. He goes, just I think he charged me like 25 bucks. Someone. He goes, just pay me 25 bucks to get in here and do some ring work. I said, okay. So now I was getting back in the ring and I was like, this is great. You know, I'm getting back in here doing and these guys were a lot more, you know, laid back. And Jason was great. And uh, Shane would go there time to time. Shane Cody would go in there. But I don't think I ever seen Shane work out there. He would just go, just go. Uh, but um, I think, uh, yeah, a lot of the guys that, you know, we were in there just barring in there and just doing. It was great. That was fun, you know. Uh, not too long after that, Kurt booked me on this on, on a show in Union City or – Oh man, I think I'm say maybe Union City or Fremont. I don't remember exactly. It might have been Fremont. He ran, like a, Kennedy? he ran a lot in Fremont. It had to be in Kennedy in Fremont. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Kennedy High School. He did a show there at Kennedy High. And I, my first match with them was me and a guy named Coco Samoa, another APW guy that was that left. And uh, he put us together against Joe Applebomber and um, maybe Johnny Payne, maybe. I think it was mm-hmm. yeah and so i knew joe so you know uh 
so yeah, that was my first. It was a tag match with them at that school. Great, but the name Tony Fury, it came. Uh, I was working at the place where I worked at. Um, I was telling them I was gonna have my my match and everything. They said, well, "What name are you going by?" I said, eh, "I don't know." They used to always call me El Tigre. I don't know why. They used to call me El Tigre, and I, you know, Tony the Tiger and something like that. And I'm going, oh, I don't know, El Tigre. Nah, man, that doesn't sound good. I, I, my old, one of my coworkers, they passed away already. I give him credit for it. No, you got to have a cool name, something like, like Tony Fury or something like that. I'm like, yeah, Tony Fury. Yeah, I like that. So that's what it came out of. So, okay. Yeah, and I've been using stance. Right. Yeah, I even uh, uh, so your niece Natalie, she's doing stand up comedy, and I actually told her like you should use Natalie Fury, like that'll sound that'll be a dope name. Absolutely, pass it on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are some of your memorable matches or moments at BTW or opponents? Um, you know, I, I always like I always like working with Shane Cody. A lot of people don't like Shane Cody because they say he's the uh, he's really stiff and really snug. You know, that's the way I was trained. You know, I, you know, I never complained. I know a lot of people complain of, dang, that, that guy's stiff, you know, and yeah, they, you know, that's what it is. You know, it's, you know, he would, uh, the first time I, I got in the ring with them, you know, he laid everything in, um, body slammed me on the, on the ground, uh, on the, on the hard concrete at school, you know, no, no give. And he, you know, it's like a slab of meat just, you know, <laughs> falling on there and, I felt every little bit of it, but you know, I knew how to properly protect myself in there. And I don't know, maybe that's why, I mean, I wrestled Cody quite a bit. Uh, that always stuck us in there a lot. And I don't know, maybe just because he was comfortable with me. I don't know. They just, you know, said, yeah, I never complained about it. It was great. It was fun work with them. Uh, right. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, um, I don't remember matches. I mean, I got to go in with, uh, and I like doing the Battle Royals. I remember I did one with in San Jose with with for Kirk uh, with Brian Honky Tonk Man and you know I was like that's cool I got to be in there with Honky Tonk Man that's pretty neat you know um, right uh, you know Playboy Buddy Rose he always been there a lot and I think the best show was I think that Kirk uh, ran back then was the one we brought in some current WWE stars I uh, I think it was the Al Snow and the um, oh, D'Lo Brown yeah because uh, I got to be Bob on that Venus. show that was, yeah that was really cool I was like wow he these guys are in the contract, you know, he pulled some strings for this. This is really cool. So that might've been the best show. I memorable show that I remember on. So that yeah, was on there. So you're, you know, mainly at BTW, you were mainly singles once in a while. You, I think you'll tag with Coco Samoa. Uh, but then uh, later on years later, you teamed up with Icebox as the, uh, was it Oaktown boys? Is that what the. Yeah. He came up with that. Um, yeah. he came How, up with how that did your relationship start with Icebox? Um. So going back to working after working for Kirk, for some reason, I was able to get other bookings outside of BTW though. I remember working uh, for Earthquake Ferris. Uh, I, I oh, did a Le show. Legends uh, of Wrestling show? Yeah, I did. I, I got to work. Me and Coco got to work that show. And uh, I worked with Mo uh, with Super Diablo um, the one night, which was a really cool match. That's actually, I think that'll be my one of my favorite matches with, with Diablo. Me, I, he played the Toll Bay phase. I did the heel, and uh, it was great. I think they even aired that on their show, on the show, not mistaken. Um, really cool match. And then the next, the next night in Pittsburgh, I think it was me and Coco tag team against Starving Slaughter and Johnny Payne. So that was really cool. So, and then after that, I remember some guys from Sacramento. I can't remember their the, the schizo uh, promotion out schizo there. Schizo Mafioso? Uh, yeah, he, he booked me on the show out there. And uh, it was at a bar. That's going to be one of the weirdest places. I've never had a bar. It was like a 10 o'clock start <laughs> time. You know, it was like you have to go in through the bar and then go in the patio. And then they had like a, a ring set up there. And, you know, it was it was a very good quality ring, but it, it was it was interesting. Yeah, it was. We did a, a tag match there and they did a battle royal. It was a, it was, it was, that's going to be the weirdest place I ever wrestled at that. Yeah. At a bar. <laughs> so yeah, it was at a bar and there's the, like I said, it was, I've never seen anything quite like it, but it was interesting. It was fun. So, right. um, but Icebox, I met years before when I used to go with the boys to uh, drop them off at the Coliseum, he was working security there. So he kind of like, kind of knew me because he always drive by there and I always put him down there where the wrestlers came in. So, um, uh, that's where I met him. He always remembered me. He would ask me questions like, oh, man, how'd you, 
are you related to them or do you know them? I go, oh, no, I just, you know, I tell them my, a little bit of my story, you know, oh, no, I have just friends, you know, I pick them up and, you know, oh man, that's cool. And as the year progressed, you know, he would always come up with me and to come up with these scenarios. Hey, hey, if I ever get a wrestling ring, you know, you think we could do a wrestling school? I go, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, why not? You know, I never thought he'd do it. Uh, you know, yeah. all these years later, uh, I would just actually, when I was actually considering to stop doing it, he comes out of the blue one day and just says, hey, I, I got a ring. What? You got a ring? Goes, yeah. Okay, well, let's let's do this then. Um, you know, he came up with it and uh, we start coming up with this concept of like, you know, those, who should, you know, who should we book? I go, well, I say, you can use the big, big time wrestling guys, you know, but then, you know, I don't know how Kurt's going to feel you're going to do a show with him or not. And then, so he came up with the concept of, well, why don't we use a little bit of everybody? Go, what do you mean? He goes, well, why don't we use some guys like from APW, do some shows with uh, uh, big time wrestling. And at the time, Icebox actually got, made, got a deal together with uh, Pro Wrestling Iron. And uh, that's who we were originally going to do the match with. It was supposed to be Pro Wrestling Iron and, and us as a joint thing. Uh, for whatever reason, the place that he booked it at told Icebox he couldn't do the show there that, on that date. So then I think uh, it was, uh, what's his name? Frank Murdoch or Kelly? Was it? Yeah, his Frank name Murdoch was Kelly. from Iron. Yeah, so. I think they sent him and uh, somebody else from Pro Wrestling to talk to this manager and you know, try and get him, try and get him to change it. You know, hey, well, we got guys coming and you got to find them work and that stuff. And I got that sorry, man, I can't do it. So then they backed out of the show. So then Icebox still wanted to do the show on, on the alternate date. And so now he had, because they were going to use his ring and I don't know, whatever. And um, that's when Icebox came up with the idea. What if we do something else? You know, with, we'll bring some guys from, APW, we'll bring some guys out from uh, uh, Big Time Wrestling, bring some guys from uh, that promotion in Sacramento, the, the PCW. That, is that what they were? It's the Schizo? Is that what they were? Yeah, Schizo's PCW. And actually, I, I think they used it. Yeah, I think they ended up using the yeah, ring. PCW. PCW, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, we were going to use Kirk's ring. And then I think when Kirk found out, I think if I remember correctly, I remember Kirk found out that um, that we were going to bring some of those guys in, and he wasn't very happy about it. So I remember he called me up and he says, "Hey, I heard those guys there. They're backing out." I go, "Really?" Well, yeah, yeah. You can't trust those guys. I'm like, okay. So I call Icebox. Say, hey, these guys back out? I goes, no. Okay. So then, um, then he calls me back. And says, oh, I heard their ring got on fire. They got no. They got no more building. I'm like, <laughs> okay. There was a so, there was a rumor, yeah. Yeah, you know. So then it's all this stuff. So Kurt, you know, uh, Icebox says, "Don't worry about it. Don't. I got it. Don't worry." I said, "Okay." So we end up doing the show anyway, and we got it, and and we called it like this California Clash, you know, because like a little bit of everybody, you know. So he's like, "All right." So because um, originally we wanted to put people like we wanted to get like Mike Modest versus Jason Styles, like something like that, you know, and. You know, a little bit of like inner gender, uh, in, 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 in the inner match, you know, with the promotions, inner promotions. Inner, inner promotional, yeah. Yeah. So we thought it was great, but, you know, modest, you know, he was a first and iron, so that didn't happen. I remember we talked to Jason about it, and he was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to get in the ring with that guy. You know, he'd probably kill me with those Japanese moves, you know. I don't like but yeah, like I said, it never happened. So, um, but, but the match, you know, the show came out really well. I mean, we had, I mean, I think even I think Mike Lano kind of helped us out a bit on it. He, yeah, uh, he did ring announcing. I remember that show. It was at the Oakland Moose Lodge. At the, at the Moose Lodge, yeah. And, uh, you know, he even brought in, like, like Ann Cavello. And, uh, I mean, Icebox is a roller derby guy. So yeah. uh, that's where his fame is from, you know, uh, roller derby. You know, like I said, I, I, I can't do that stuff like what Kirk and Roland do. I just, you know, it's just not... You know, if it's not fun, you can't do it. You know, I get right. it. This is business, but also you can't treat the boys that way. You know, um, I remember, uh, I don't know if you were there for that Legion of Doom one with the Road Warriors. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Hawk was, they were there, but Hawk wasn't going to come to the show. I don't know if you yeah. heard anything about that. 
he wasn't going to come to the show because up, yeah. he was all messed up. And Kirk was fuming to animal in the back. Oh, you got to get him here. Oh, hey, man, I'm here. You know, what, what can you do? No, you got to get him here. I got the commission here. So you're going to ask for refunds. You know, I was like, oh, man, I, I, I can't tell you anything, man. You know? And, oh, no, you, you, oh, my God. I mean, again, bringing up tears almost. And 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 he's mad. Oh, my, I'm going to have to give everybody their money back. What am I going to do? You know, and he's, he's like, hey, man, I'll, I'll call him. I'll see if he can. So somebody went to get Hawk. And, and brought him to the show. Now I know Hawk, I know Mike. I've already, again, I've known him from, from the past. Right. He sees me there, hey, what's going on, Tony? He sits with us, with me and Icebox. Him and Alan, they sit with us and they're talking. And I could tell Hawk's out of me a little bit, you know? And then, and then uh, Kirk comes up to me, hey, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna go out there, right? Nah, I'm not going out there. Well, you, you gotta go out there. You gotta give autographs. We go, nah. He goes, and he goes, all right, I'll go out there. He goes, all right, he goes, put on your gear. He goes, I'm not putting that shit on. No way. I'm not putting that stuff on. So now you don't even put the stuff on. Yeah. No, you got to. And then again, he's Kirk storms out of the room and then like, oh my God. So finally he gets uh, I guess they come up with some animals. Look, I'll do all the work with the I think they worked the ballers that night. He goes, uh, I'll do all the work. You just stand in the corner and do the finish. And Hawk was like, no, nah, if I go out there, I'm gonna throw up. So I don't know what changed his mind. But they got him to go out there in street clothes, no makeup, no no shoulder pads, yeah. nothing. He goes, I'm not putting that stuff on. So, yeah. and he went out to do the thing. Now, I was standing in the back behind that curtain on the stage there right. as they left, as they left the ring. And I tell you, I don't know if anybody else was back there. I know me and my wife were standing back there. And uh, the second he got to that curtain, Hawk puked. He <laughs> felt his knees and puked. Right there on the floor, and I was like, "Oh, I go, Mike, you okay?" And he just, like, "I gotta get out of here." And he got his stuff and got bags, and off he went. So, yeah, so he, he was he was messed up, man. Poor guy. Yeah, all he did was a doomsday device. Like, that's, that's it. That's all he did. And I think he went out there. I think he took pictures that night too. He had to go out to the ring at, at intermission, and he did the the picture thing in the ring, and then he did the match with with them. And he, like I say, he just stood there, <laughs> just right. got in the top rope, did the clothesline, and. You know, they did the, the wave and then through the curtain, he puked, just, just puked. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. So, so. Right. All right, Tony, well, we're out of time here, but uh, just the last question here. Um, I wanted to ask you, what, what, have, what did you find disappointing in the business? Like all the years since you started to now, what are one of some of the things that you found disappointing about, about being part of the business? Just basically a lot of the politics in the business, yeah. You know, and, and I guess a lot of the guys, I mean, it's a lot, I'm not going to say it's a lot easier, but it's a more, I guess, more convenient for the boys now. Back then, when I'd go in the back, before cell phones, you know, you see, they would have pay phones in the back in the locker room. And you see a line of a line of guys just standing there waiting to use that phone, you know, to call their home, their, their wives or their girlfriends or whatever. And, you know, and I go, you know, they, they, they miss, you know, they miss home sometimes. And. You know, nowadays it's you know they're constantly on their phone. They can contact, and it's just I don't know if it's as bad, but um, it is a lonely, lonely thing for these guys. You know, uh, it's uh, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a lot of uh, things I shouldn't have seen. You know, with uh, you know with chic, with his habits, and uh, uh, I've, I've driven. Unfortunately, I'm not gonna name any wrestlers here in this one, but. I did. I, I I took a couple guys. They were looking for for some uh, for some dope in the city, and uh, the way about it was just so crazy. I couldn't believe I was <laughs> I was a part of that. But yeah, they asked me, do, you know, what do I know? I go, not really, man, because I don't use any stuff. But just just drive around here for all right. We drove around <laughs> to the Hunters Point area, and uh, these these two high profile guys too, man. They they went around and. Ask somebody if they have some crack, and some guy comes up. Well, yeah, yeah. How much you want? Goes, um, um, give me like, give me a uh, fifty dollars worth. I go, all right. You gotta give me the money. He goes, well, I know you're not gonna come back. Oh, I'm gonna go around the corner. So they give him fifty bucks. The guy goes around the corner. He comes back with with a little piece of rock. Gives it to him, and I remember uh, <laughs> one of them tells the other, uh, "I'm in the back. I'm in the back seat, my dude. They're they're the ones driving. I'm in the back." <laughs> um, because they just want 
me to show them where this area was. And they go, hey, man, if, if you see more than two, three guys coming, we're just going to run them over. I'm like, oh my God. Like, okay. So the guy comes back, he gives me a little rock, and then uh, we drive off. We go like about two blocks, and then they, they stop and turn on the light, and then they're looking at it. What do you think? I don't know. Yeah, they toss it out the window and they take off. I go, what are you guys doing, what man? Yeah. yeah, so it's, yeah, it's just crazy, you know, and yeah, it's stuff like that I remember, and I go, man, that's, you know, it's not a cool thing, you know, it's really funny, you know, and these guys I looked up to, and I thought they were just, you know, cool guys, and it just turns out, you know, they, they all have their demons, you know, and yeah. that's about the most disappointing part of it, you know, seeing some of these guys, and I look at them, and I go, well, I remember this, and I remember that, yeah. you know. Yeah. I you know, meeting all these guys that, that you look up to, what, was there a time where there was somebody that was like a total dick or was like, you know, you're kind of disappointed that they were that way? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, Hogan. <laughs> Hogan was a real jerk, um, especially back then. I, I, I don't know about now, but definitely. Back, it, it, I, have, I, have, I have like three pictures with Hogan, but I, out of those three pictures, it took me like five years to get those pictures because I met him several times before that and mm-hmm. he was just the type of guy that just you know unless there was a camera like like a promotional or camera around like a tv camera he wouldn't stop doing anything you know anybody just you know i remember seeing him i go excuse me mr hogan can i take it? and he just keep walking you know excuse me can i take it and just keep walking okay you know um he i mean not just to me i mean smaller kids and even you know and they'd be chasing him and he wouldn't stop you know and right. um but it was here and all the heels were always the coolest you know, people that you thought were just, you know, the worst. They were the ones that would stop and take pictures and sign your stuff. And you'd be like, oh, man, dude, it's the totally opposite, you know? And, yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, Hogan's got to be one of the worst ones that I, I met back then. And, you know, but I've met him since now. He's been okay now. But, you know, he's, yeah. but because of his stature, you know, you figured that guy would have been one of the super coolest and just turned out he was. So, yeah. 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 Don't meet your heroes, what they say, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, thank you, Tony Fury. And I, I really think that you should put some of these stories together. I mean, some kind of memoir or something. Like, I'm, I'm sure you know, you somebody, more somebody my, son keep, my, my son keeps telling me to do that. You know, Dad, Tony, you got some of the stories people want to hear. I go, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually well, surprised you, you, you have the stories, you have the pictures. So it's like, it, 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 it would be a good idea for you to start thinking about something like that. Thank you, Tony Fury, for being on Indie Handshake, and thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.